at the very core of the motivation of the truther is integrity. It is a sense of destiny. So the truther needs to be commended. I want to tell you, congratulations, good job. God (laughs) is proud of you. You are right and they are wrong. It wasn't your fault, okay, that that your spouse divorced you or your children don't talk to you. It's absolutely, unequivocally a universal experience. We're all experiencing it. Howdy, Fox. The ghost of Robert Stack here. I used to haunt Double J's nightmares, and now I have hijacked his podcast. Hawks of the interwebs, welcome to another Shenanian, infused journey into the mind of this particular garbage condud. Come let you life slash recorded from a studio slash spare bedroom, deep in the foothills of Appalachia, directly from the number one drug overdose death capital of America, or capital of course. Now Double J will still be your pilot and navigator for this Operation GCD adventure. Where this adventure is an Operation GCD salute to America, where Double J is honored to be joined by a man who's a big fan of freedom of speech, author, minister, and all-around brilliant dude, John Kerwin, joins Double J for a conversation on John's book, The Conspiracy Theorist's Survival Guide, where John has captured the psychological experience both internal and external to any person's common journey of becoming a truther or conspiracy theorist. Double J and John also discuss numerous topics and tropes of the world of conspiracy theory and the efforts to diminish these topics in our modern era of censorship. Anyhow, folks of the interwebs, thanks for joining us today to get a little GCD. All links for Double J and guest, John Kerwin, are in the show notes. Enjoy the conversation between Double J and John Kerwin. William! Howdy, John Kerwin. Thanks for joining me here today to get a little GCD. I'd like to introduce you to the folks of the interwebs, your, uh, and notably your your book that we'll be discussing today, The Conspiracy Theories Survival Guide. And uh, I'd also love to hear more about uh, your journey that you took in which to and to author this this book. And I imagine that's uh, quite a journey because it was, it was an excellent book and an excellent read. And I think you've captured a lot of the salient characteristics of of that journey of the quote unquote truth or journey and understanding a lot of the, the uh, kind of the gray area of how the, how the world really operates. And yep. I think you really capture some of the psychology surrounding that, that journey and some of the common salient characteristics. So excellent read. And I appreciate you sharing that book with me. And again, I'll turn it, turn it over to you to, to go into some of those details and the journey you took. And then we'll I'd like to discuss some of those details of your book. Awesome. Great. Great to be with you, JJ, and your audience. <clears throat> and that was a great synopsis because obviously this topic today will be a little bit different maybe than what us as truthers are usually on a hunt for. <clears throat> you know, we're trying to understand the matrix and escape the matrix, all of its tentacles, and, you know, figure out how bamboozled we are, and, you know, how much evil is coming around the next turn and you know we have a sense of um uh survival 
the truther has a very strong self-preservation motivation, which oh, for sure, yeah, and that's um, uh, so. This is more of a talk about the truther. We're talking to truthers that have found out the things that we found out, which are essentially outside the Overton window from the majority of of the culture. So those are things like the moon landing is fake, the ISS is fake. Uh, right. the flat earth revelation, you know, whether or not you believe it, it's still a huge movement, right? Chemtrails, Mandela effect, underground bases, reptilian shapeshifters. Okay, I could go on for the next 15 minutes, Yeah, the, right? list, the list goes on, right? The list goes on. You pick one, okay? Right. And then one of them is enough to bring families into complete division. Oh, absolutely. So, so today, what we want to talk about is, is your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions, the impact of having your wife or your children say things to you like, honey, if you talk about crazy things, I can't have a relationship with you. And I can right. tell you, JJ, with 100% certainty, there are a vast number of your listeners have had something along those lines said to them. No, I mean, absolutely. And as I shared with you in our brief discussion before we started the show, I've, I've experienced exactly that. So I know exactly what you mean by, by those statements. And it is a very divisive time we, uh, we currently exist in. And yeah. what I like to describe as meme world 2023, because <laughs> I kind of, yeah. kind of try to, you know, at, at some point in time, it's, I mean, it's a very dark humor. That is my kind of sense of humor. But at some point in time, the, the most ridiculous things that are going on in the world right now, you almost have to turn them into a joke. And then, right. I mean, and, and then also it has almost a double meaning to me as well, because what was a meme five minutes ago is suddenly reality here in 2023. Right. Right. It's, it's raining it's, red pills. Yeah, that's a good way to put it, too. I mean, so, I don't know how I use the term unconvinced. Some Sometimes we say the word normie, but it, it has a sort of a derogatory connotation. So I don't want to disparage people that are still in the matrix. But sure. make you know, make no mistake about it. People that leave the matrix look crazy to those people that are still in the matrix. Oh, absolutely. It's kind of, it's kind of, I, I kind of uh, like to, you know, joke around about it. It's kind of like uh, the way folks look at Scientology, right? You, yep. If you go talk to a sign, you know, I watch a lot of videos where folks confront Scientologists and stuff like that. Yeah. And if you, they're, they're, you know, kind of just the normal society individuals, talking to Scientology, well, they're already operating from a mindset that anyone who's not Scientology is Looney Tunes. They're, that's right. embedded into those, especially the billion-year contract type of Scientologists, yes. the Sea Org. So it's those folks, you know, trying to even say anything to those people is is it's like talking Greek. And, and in a lot of respects, I feel like that's kind of what the, the you know, the going to like a truth or journey, that's what folks experience from people in their own social and circles and, and family circles. You know, trying to explain anything to them is like is akin to trying to explain anything to these Sea Org people who yeah. uh, have this uh, <laughs> deeply rooted belief that you're already stepping, you know, like you're already operating from a, like a, a point of failure from step one. Yeah, I think that's how people look at you know conspiracy theorists or truth or community that from no matter what they're saying from step one, it's they're already operating from a point of failure. No question, yeah. and all of us can relate. So the yeah, central absolutely. planners, you know, the social programmers have been very effective at inculcating the population into having what I call a death-to-truther algorithm that they run instantly when you invoke these kinds of topics 
and normal, well-meaning, you know, typically rational people will just go, and they rise up with a very uncharacteristic, you know, vitriolic response, which is snarky, it's cynical, it's condescending, it's disrespectful. They invoke the term conspiracy theory, which is a character assassination term. No, it's, absolutely. It comes from 1967 bulletin from the CIA. And they don't know which is, that. Which, John, if I may interject, that's a good yeah. point to make because I know, I know a lot of times that gets repeated a lot of times and just kind of as a point of fact, which it is. But if you really think about it, from 1967 until I think it was 1996, I think that I believe that document came out through an LA Times Freedom of Information Act request in 96. Yeah. I mean, so that entire time, you know, the CIA is operating like that, willingly and knowingly doing that to, into, you know, that ties in with Operation Mockingbird with all the media yep. uh, situation. Because that's what that was. That was a memorandum to media organizations yep. to start producing media content. So if you look at that memorandum deeper than just the the you know introduction of the term conspiracy theorists, that was an Operation Mockingbird document altogether. That's right. Because they're, they're trying to disseminate that term across every platform it tells you in the, in the, in the memorandum. So you have to look back and think about it. That's the way they're operating 67. They're continuing to do that just because it's released in 96. I mean, they're still continuing to do that today, but if you look at that period of time from 67 to 96, especially relative to the JFK assassination, you can see that memorandum at work. I mean, it, it you know, as far as the uh, disinformation in campaign against the JFK assassination generally and the, and the introduction of the term conspiracy theorist as a, derogatory, you know, disparaging statement towards somebody. Boy, was that was that ever a home run? I mean oh, that, absolutely. that thing has done damage <laughs> to humanity. Like and there's other ones in there. Like one one that I've heard very often is that conspiracy theorists seek out these obscure, unproven topics because they're insecure and it makes them feel significant. Now that is one of the other talking points in that bulletin. Right. And, and the people that are just mindlessly regurgitating this to you, think it's their own idea, you know, and they have so much insight into what makes you tick. And there's books like that. How to help your conspiracy theorist spouse come out of the rabbit hole. Well, forgive me. Sure. Okay. But you haven't lifted a finger to look at the five, three ring binders of evidence that I have because <laughs> you get cut off. Right? right. And I want to pick up on something you mentioned about the nature of their demeanor. One of the things that we all can relate to is that unconvinced don't know what we're talking about, but they don't want to know. Sure. And worse, they don't want you to know. So normies don't look. They're like the British guards that look forward and you go, hey, woo, you try to get them to like look at you, but they won't look. Well, that's right. what normies are like, or unconvinced. They just come up with like three or four basic arguments of why they won't sit down with you and and find out what you're all worked up about, right? Because this could right. be resolved, right? It couldn't be resolved, right? If you will right. sit down and have an open conversation with me, you can find out that what I have to say has some validity at least. Sure. But they won't do that. No, I think, yeah, and I think it breaks down to to uh, an, an element of they don't want it to break down their normal, their normal status of operations. Of course. It's yeah, a game so, changer. I mean, yeah, I mean, it really does, because I've kind of experienced that myself in talking to, you know, I've lost friends over in recent, you know, probably six or seven years over that time period, over various things, nothing like aggressive, just people, you know, long, long time friends of mine just yeah. were afraid of, of me bringing up a subject matter, 
you know what I mean, out of the blue or something like that, to where they just didn't want to engage in the conversation just in case there'd be some offhanded remark that I make that causes them to dispel their belief system when I'm not even trying to do that, right? Like, it's not even a goal of mine. I'm not even bringing up any kind of topics with them. Right. It's just if something occurs, I make an offhanded remark, and they're like, well, what does that mean? You know, what did you mean by that, right? Right. And, right. That, and that numerous friends, that's caused them to, to get upset with me over a period of time. Cause that caused them to go look at other things. Like, what was I talking about? Yeah. And that causes them to question their own belief system. And again, oftentimes the, the, <laughs> the community, whoever communicated that idea to them is the, uh, is the guilty wow. party of, of disrupting their normal. I mean, it's so crazy. It's not crazy. It's incredible listening to you and other truthers. Cause as a, you know, somebody that's gone through this, it's, you're just nodding at Bob and you're like, yep, yep, yep that's what it's yep. like. <laughs> and that's what I was, and that's exactly yeah. what I was doing when I was reading your, your book on the conspiracy theory survival guide, because I was like, Oh, I know exactly how that is. Yeah. <laughs> and I, exactly how that is. And I think and even, even elements of this belief in scientism, I think you capture that in, in great detail with numerous examples in your book as well, of how this belief in scientism operates and, and what, yeah. and what kind of motivates the people to, to believe in that. And, uh, and also pointing out how all these things are, that science has proven is uh, ridiculous and, and unproven from, uh, you know, uh, numerous, uh, dis, you know, archaeological discoveries and, uh, and of yeah. course, space as well in there, which I thought you did some made some excellent points as well, there as well there in regards to this whole scientism belief. But it also goes back to the belief generally of people not wanting to get their uh, their world perspectives disrupted is the, uh, you know, folks seemingly uh inane uh, uh desire to to run with the herd you know yes and and the kind of uh you know uh, appeal to authority if you will which i think oh, you also yeah. captured that very well in your book that's a big one that's a big yeah. one i call it i call it the uh the happy life the unconvinced <laughs> wants to keep their happy life untroubled and it's fun fun seasons in the sun and it's you know God. They could have God as their as their highest ideal, but but truther topics disrupt even your walk with God and your whole thing with God because there's a lot of uh, um, fraud and and trickery and duplicity and all that in the church system and in the way that that's whole rolled out. So uh, the the unconvinced is really. Uh, unhinged by all of this stuff that we traffic in. And so they just work overtime to shut you down. And those shutdown techniques are, are very demeaning, like especially as a father and a husband. When you're muzzled and you're disrespected and basically given shut up or else orders, uh, you're standing there with your nerve endings hanging out. And you're like, I have nowhere to go because I, I, you refuse to negotiate with me. So, in other words, if it was re- roles were reversed, right? I would say, all right, honey, it seems like you're pretty worked up about the moon landing thing and all this stuff you're talking about, and it seems to be coming between us. So here's what, what we're going to do. You and I are going to get into a room for one hour twice a week, and you're gonna, we're going to have in, you know, discussion. You show me what you're finding, and until, until one of us agrees, because otherwise it's like you just keep spreading apart and two worlds yeah. go the opposite direction. Yeah. And over time, it definitely, definitely the, the paths are greater, the greater distance between the two, the two points there. Yeah. Yes. And so what do you, what we experience though, is this kind of a, a 
we're cut off from that. And so, but we're at the same time, we're given these edicts and decrees that we have to basically pretend that we believe like they do by being silent for the rest of your life. So you're put into a yep. timeout, you're given a dunce <laughs> cap called a tinfoil hat and a scarlet um, letter of shame. Right. You're branded. And then you're basically pushed out of the system. Now, Jesus said, I didn't come to bring peace, but a sword. And he said, the members of your own household will be your enemies. And so we're living that. We're not trying to pick a fight. But what happens, what what doesn't happen is the truther never goes to the unconvinced and says this. Hey, listen, this is real. And if you don't talk to me about this stuff, I can't have a relationship with you. We don't do that. Right. And, and, right. and I've done this now for seven years. I have over 5,000 subscribers on my YouTube channel, about 150 new a month, over f- almost 400,000 hours of viewing. And I have never heard one person say that they did that. But what I have heard is hundreds of testimonies of people who have been told the, uh, the opposite, where their unconvinced spouse gave them an ultimatum. So sure. what is sure. that? No, I mean, I see. Yeah, I see what you're. I see what you're saying. It seems one side is more willing to uh, negotiate and communicate versus and meet meet a middle ground versus where one side is is not at all willing to even come to the table. It seems like, right? I mean, the numbers the numbers don't lie. So one of the things I found out yeah. in my research, John, may, may I interject real quick? Yes, yeah, sure. I, Go I, ahead. I wanted to, and I'm a horrible host for not for not properly uh, addressing or introducing your your uh, YouTube ministries as well. Can you tell us a little bit about your uh, your YouTube channel and some of the ministries yeah. you do? Yeah, no, there? no, you're not you're not a horrible host at all. This is a great <laughs> convo. I'm totally oh, nice. jazzed for this, man. So yeah, no problem. I have a YouTube channel. Um, it's called Wake Up or Else, and it's on YouTube. And we're on about eight platforms now. My website is wakeuporelse.com. And basically, what I've been doing for the last seven years is providing a biblical analysis of the Mandela effect. That's my primary thing. We talk about flat earth and other things as well, but you know, we're a, we're an online Christian fellowship for the truther community. So we're blatantly Christian. Uh but you know, I have a very diverse demographic, uh people from all different kinds of belief systems because the Mandela effect crosses all those boundaries. In fact, sure. there's a chapter in the book called The Demographics of the Truther Community. And it No, oh, I saw that. That was an excellent chapter too. Yeah. So everybody's welcome uh, in that sense, and I'm an equal opportunity truther. But my, my, uh, my mission last year was to minister to the community. Every Sunday at 7, I did a talk for like three hours. I would come to the mic with 20 pages of notes and just pour out my heart. Well, later in the year, God started pointing me out. So now what we're doing is I've got some people working with me. We're reaching out to pastors and we're inviting them to come on and have a discussion or even a debate because the church has rejected this as a possibility based sure. on the idea that the Bible can't change. Well, their doctrine is wrong, unfortunately, because it's changing. Yeah, I, I think that's some intriguing ideas you've, you've, you've produced there and, and uh, presented on your YouTube channel. I got a, I got a bit, uh, took, a, took an opportunity to catch a bit of that. Uh, that uh, your your uh, theories in regards to the Mandela effect, and I am very intrigued by that in regards to uh, some of the uh, evidence in the uh, that ex- is exhibited by the Bible and changes in the Bible. Which and some of those statements that you, that you highlighted there, I mean, those are some pretty well known well known statements from the Bible that seemingly now are never existed or seemingly now have changed. So I think 
that is that is intriguing. I'd like to dive more into that that uh, that sure. conversation, but uh, later in the, later here in our conversation here. But I'd like to get back to the kind of the process you were de- describing there with the uh, with the ultimatums that, that, that go that go on, and then kind of what is the what is kind of the next step in the journey after that, as you see it. Right. So the book, uh, the conspiracy theorist survival guide, it's on Amazon. It's broken up into two sections. The first section is inside the mind of the unconvinced. And then the second section is inside the mind of the truther. And and so one of the most pro- profound revelations I had was based on a conversation I had with one of my kids once. And they said, dad, I wish you were normal. So I went away from that and I looked up the word normal. And what it means is conforming to a standard, usually typical or expected. And I said, wow, wow, that's really uh, telling. But then I looked up the term conforming and it means to comply with the rules, standards or laws. Well, this, this became the foundation for my understanding of the conflict between the truther and the unconvinced. Because essentially what my daughter was saying was, Dad, I wish you would toe the line with the fake construct that we live in so that I can feel comfortable in my deception. Sure. Okay, Which yeah. the truther has said, no, I'm in the Truman Show. I just woke up to this. I now, like in the Truman Show, Jim Carrey's character finds out his wife is an actress or his fiance, and there's a TV studio and this whole thing's fake. Imagine how appalling that would be if he next day went just went back to work. Exactly. Yeah. No, I that's a great chapter of your book as well, making the metaphorical comparisons with <laughs> the Truman Show. I, I love films, so I you know, movies and so I, I, I oftentimes right. make comparisons as well. So I enjoy reading other people's analysis of uh these these metaphorical com- comparisons or sometimes literal comparisons, because really in a movie like the Truman Show, I mean it seems like there's a lot being described there. Through through the medium of Hollywood, that provides a lot of a lot of reality to what, what folks experience on an everyday basis, in a yeah. metaphorical sense. But what, what I mean what I mean by literal, I mean there's you can people can literally feel based upon their own experiences, they can almost literally feel how Truman feels in that movie. Is what I'm mm-hmm. well. Yeah. I, I, one of the, one of the things that I find intriguing about that movie too, relative to the reality we all live in, is uh, you know. Groups, secret societies like the Skull and Bones, oftentimes get attributed to being major, you know, parapolitical power players, and they and they and you know, there's good examples of that that they are. In fact, I've recently done a podcast with uh, Mark Steves from My Family Thinks I'm Crazy, which that's the name of his podcast because his family thought he was crazy Wait, you know, going on this. I gotta kind of write this journey. down. <laughs> yeah. The guys, what's his name? Mark Steves, S T E E V E S. And he's the host of My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. Oh, funny dude, great podcasts. But he 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 you know based upon his whole philosophy of that podcast is his family thinks he's crazy, so he likes to ask people that question whenever you know guests and stuff. Wow. Like their family think, thinks that they're. Crazy. I think Mark and I would get along swimmingly. <laughs> I think I, I believe so as well, John. Absolutely, and I highly um, recommend his podcast. We recently did a discussion on parapolitical. Power player, players between two different secret societies: the Society of the Cincinnati and the Skull and Bones, which is kind of his focus. He, he's a Connecticut resident um, and uh, does a lot of research and study on the Skull and Bones and just Yale University in general. But uh, you know, one of the uh, actors in the Truman Show is a Skull and, Skull and Bonesman, 
and uh, you know, in this idea that they're that they're kind of the puppeteers or some of the puppeteers of the reality that we live in. Yeah, that's precisely what actor Paul Giamatti plays in the Truman Show. He's the guy sitting at the control board, taking all the orders from Ed Harris on on what to do next in the Truman world. Uh-huh. You know, so he's literally the he's literally the guy pushing the buttons, and he's a skull and bonesman. By the way, you mean in real life? In real life, yeah. Yeah. Well, sure. Sure, sure, sure. So, so I just I find I find elements of that movie just interesting in that respect as well. But yeah. I think I think you captured a lot of the metaphorical aspects of the the, the truther journey process and and the world that the truthers quote unquote or conspiracy theorists yeah. wake up in and the, you know realize they're living in. I think you made some great comparisons with the Truman Show, and there is you know it's it's a good uh, you know way to to convey those messages again through film and stories. I think. You know, whether or not someone intentionally wrote that movie in which to convey those messages, uh, I have no idea. I wasn't there. <laughs> right. But, uh, and, you know, that's the product of their of their efforts, regardless of that was their intent. Yeah. So I think it's important to note when we become a truther, the moment of genesis of the, the transition. For me, it's very similar to most of us. I was a pattern day trader. This is going back to around 2017. Married, four kids, doing life. Pretty much a normie like everybody else. And then I've come across the fact, because I'm in the financial realm, that the, that the Federal Reserve wasn't federal. Right. Now, oh, yeah. looking, looking back now, it's sort of embarrassing how obvious these things are. But then you just have the veil over your eyes. The matrix is a physical thing, but it's also a metaphysical thing. Sure. The matrix is metaphysical. So it's like a spell is cast on us. And so what happened was I saw that the Federal Reserve was this white building in Washington. And, you know, it was being portrayed as something that it wasn't. It was obviously a fraud and that obviously all these people knew it. And so I, I then asked I said, well, this is, they're lying to us, right? right. And uh, so <laughs> I asked the question, which subsequently I've had hundreds of people tell me, they said the exact same thing. They said this. Well, if that's not true, what else isn't true? Exactly. Isn't that, that's, well, that's when you go, Pew! <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, I think that's the, the quote unquote truth or conspiracy theorists next step in the whole process is yep. after they've realized one thing, just one thing, then they have to ask, well, what else is there? All right, so you couple that revelation where this is the genesis of becoming a transitioning from an unconvinced to a truther is the habit of beginning to question officialdom. Because prior to that, you trust Fauci, you trust Bill Gates, you trust Klaus Schwab, if you even know who he is. And those people are are just world leaders that you have nothing to do with, but they're not trying to murder you, right? right. Uh, so then, yeah, Bill Gates used to be a nice guy. He used to be yeah. a, a campy looking fellow wearing a sweater, right? You know, and not anymore. I mean, he never has been, but that was the image he he pervaded to folks, right? But now you've kind of gone from living on a party boat or a cruise liner to living on a battleship. You're on a war footing, and That's the spouse sure. or children or friends are still. Fun, fun seasons in the sun, and and all of a sudden you're like, uh, warning, Will Robinson, you know the world <laughs> is run by by uh, Luciferian blood drinking psycho mobsters, and they're like, what are you talking about? Right, you're, right. You know, you're like, you're like, uh, you've gone off the rails, okay? Because remember what normal means, and and conforming and complying with the rules. 
what the unconvinced views you as is somebody that has fallen in with a bad crowd. And you've Absolutely. Become, you have become uh, gone rogue and in, in some <laughs> ways become like criminal because you're questioning the great American story and, and you're questioning uh, officialdom and how disrespectful and uh, all these things. And you're like, you have no idea, okay, how <laughs> fake you are in the Truman Show times 10. And and so this conflict erupts, and I you know very few have ever you can't you can't unsee once you've seen. There's no going. Uh, oh, for sure. And I think one of the one of these specific subject matters that that at least I've experienced that people that just immediately argue American superiority is that that man landed on the moon, that America landed on yeah. the moon. <laughs> you know, the Apollo 11 moon mission was a real thing. I'm trying to explain that to to, to folks uh, who are, you know, of a mindset that NASA's not some sort of occult, uh, ritualistic organization, and they and they're of the belief system this is some sort of benign mm-hmm. federal agency that just happens to be exploring space for the, you know, the the benefit of mankind. You know, those kind of people right. to have that 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 belief system trying to explain to them and they're like, well, what do you mean? And that's always American superiority that always is, seems to be the first argument they make to me. And I always, I always laugh at it. I'm like, well, that's funny. Cause you know, for me, believing anything uh, NASA says is a you know violation of one of my primary rules in life. And that is never trust a Nazi. Yeah. So there's, there's only so much I had to, to learn about the history of NASA for all you guys. Anything they're producing is, is a complete and utter psyop Nazi style psyop. Absolutely. And, and and quite honestly, you know, looking at some of their ISS footage and stuff like that today is almost as laughable as looking at the Apollo footage. The Apollo footage is clearly uh you know, you can see that the 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 elements of it being filmed in some sort of stage or studio scene setting. Whereas, you know, you kind of get those elements even with the ISS footage today. You'd figure that with the billions the forty billion dollars a year that NASA gets, they'd get better Hollywood uh, special effects, you know, <laughs> equipment, because when you see astronauts on, you know, hanging from wires in ISS footage, it looks just as fake as the uh, Apollo 11, you know, moon landing footage to me, you know, yes. as far as, you know, when you watch a movie 20 years, 30 years later, much like the Apollo footage, the you're like, oh, wow, those special effects back then were really terrible because your eyes are adjusted to the newest digital frame and yes. you know, rate, rated rate, uh, uh refresh rate of whatever the new digital technology is now especially the old pre-digital age stuff looks real fake but again even the current stuff with the iss looks equally as laughable to me when you see the issues with the green screen technology and the uh the uh the you know the hanging from the wires but i think i think the reason they get away with it is the mad as you put it put it before there john it's kind of a spell there's a bit of a magic show that goes on with it it is the hollywood magic that is that is presented there so i think you know, to a certain degree, that is in large part what uh, what causes people to not even look into elements like space like that. Because look, we have these experts, and they, we have these experts in this agency. They're the, they're the ones doing it for everybody. They, they know what they're doing, right? You know, and that and that's something else I, I've experienced as well. Like, uh, you know, people, well, who, what are you a rocket scientist? How are you going to question question oh, NASA? <laughs> that's I have a, 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 a subchapter in my book. It's called "I'm Smarter Than All the Astrophysicists." <laughs> exactly. Yep. That was a good chapter as well, bro. This yeah, is, this what you're saying right here is so critical. Let me just jump in on this. Yeah, because, absolutely. All right. So, 
what you're talking about is how absolutely patently obvious these deceptions are. Like the moon, the <laughs> right. lunar lander, okay, looks like it's made of cardboard and curtain rods. It's actually got scotch tape on one of the bars going down, and supposedly it's 200 degrees in the in the sun on the moon. Right. So, you, what I have concluded after looking at so many thousands of proofs that this fakery is going on is that a lot of it is on purpose. And you mentioned the spell. The, one of the uh, techniques of the lesser magic is <clears throat> to put a clue inside of the fakery that's super obvious, because if you then adopt the fakery, even though they're putting it in your face, then that basically gives the demons permission to enslave your mind, like with a stronghold of a bewitchment. So it's part sure, of like, a, like an thing. Easter egg of sorts, like a quote yes. unquote Easter egg. Yes. Yeah. So it's like it's like a pinch a pinch of dirt from a dead man's grave and a pinch <laughs> of bat wing. Okay. So let nice. me give you a really glaring example of this. Uh, three or four years ago, there were it was around the time of the Boston bombing, and there was that one, and there was two or three. There was three other bombings or shootings that took place in the course of about six months. And I, I still have the video somewhere. They had the exact same crisis actor in all four interviews with different hair color, different glasses, different clothes, and a different name. It's the exact same lady. You put it on the screen, and it's, it's exactly the same lady. And I'm thinking, uh, obviously, they could get a different person for <laughs> these four interviews. So they're doing that on purpose, bro. Oh, I know. I agree with you. There's, there's, cert- there's certainly a degree of that as well. And yeah. both of those topics, the moon landing and the Boston bombing specifically, there's a, there's a author. He's, he's uh, since passed in recent years, but he used to operate a blog and he's written a number of books that, that I enjoy. He's uh, definitely integral in my conspiracy theorist mindset is, is you know, reading and, and understanding this guy's material. And his name was Dave McGowan. He had mm-hmm. on his blog, he wrote two different series. One called Wagging the Moon Doggy, which was he, you know, he highlights with photographs and you know NASA photographs and everything else the ridiculous nature of this whole, you know, Apollo moon landing. And, you know, pointing out the, you know, like as you pointed, as you stated there, John, the the aluminum foil cardboard kind of lunar lunar lander that they have. Right. And he highlights all those things. The the fold up jeep that went in that eventually went in. I think Apollo fourteen. Oh my <laughs> you god, know, these kind of yeah. things. <laughs> so he highlights all that stuff. And relative to the Boston bombing, I mean, he he was able to locate. So there was somebody with a bird's eye view above the alleged bombing sites, and he he he. Someone took a bunch of photographs that day, and wherever Dave McGowan located these photographs, I couldn't tell you. But he he does an analysis of all this whole series of photographs, you know, very high quality photographs that someone was taking at the finish line there from about four or five floors in a building over from where the alleged bomb sites were. Yeah, and whoever was taking those photographs, I mean. They captured the whole scene, and Dave McGowan provides a you know a, a pretty lengthy and detailed analysis of you know those photographs and how all these crisis actors were moving around and how they were using clearly using some sort of smoke device and blood yep. blood bags and stuff like that. He he provides the analysis, but he also provides someone's photographs to show all of these activities going on. So it's kind of hard to ignore when the when the facts and evidence are right in your face like that. And Dave McGowan was great for for that for those kind of things within. Uh, trying to explain the conspiracy theorist, um, you know, topics of conversation. What's so stunning, though, is when you can show hard evidence like that to the unconvinced, they'll look at it, right. but then they 
just turn a blind eye and you're stunned. You're just appalled. You're like, this is not how human beings react to this kind of empirical evidence. What is the matter with you? Absolutely. And again, I think it just goes back to reorganizing their entire landscape of reality. If they yeah. were to accept that one thing in there, they have to, they have to, you know, reorganize everything in, in the reality. And I think that's just too much for a lot of people. I think given the state of our education system and the fact that people can't read and count, <laughs> the, uh, you know, there is a certain degree of the dumbing down of America that has caused a lot of these aspects as well. I mean, there's not a week that goes by where I don't have some cashier at a gas station or restaurant or store comment to me on their inability to to count exact change or something like that, you know, and they just, there seems to be a loss of aptitude within within that. And I think it's proven within certain test records of various public schools. Yeah, cities like Los Angeles have sub like ten percent aptitude in reading and and math for high schoolers. That's that's a problem. Mm -hmm. Well, let me speak to the truther for a second because one of the things that you know is most common question is why can't they see? And at the very core of the motivation of the truther is integrity. It is a sense of destiny. So. The truther needs to be commended. I want to tell you, congratulations, good job. God (laughs) is proud of you. You are right and they are wrong. It wasn't your fault, okay, that that your spouse divorced you or your children don't talk to you. It's absolutely, unequivocally a universal experience. We're all experiencing it, okay? So be encouraged. Do not for a moment allow depression to go deep in your heart because you found the truth, okay, because here's the reality of following destiny. Destiny, by definition, is not your plans. (laughs) Destiny is God's plan that he has for you. And and it reminds me of this missionary in Mexico. He, He has giant ministry down there, right? So people come down to learn how to be a missionary, and they're asking him, so are you happy? And he's like, not really. I'm attacked by scorpions. I've almost been killed hundreds of times. It's burning hot. You know, we have disease to fight and people are killing each other all the time, but I'm in the middle of God's will. So what the, the, what the truther basically signs on to is selflessness. You sign sure. on to being on a mission that gives you significance to, to live out your life. Like, like William Wallace said, when the girl said, don't keep talking or else they'll kill you. And he's like, all men die, but not all men live. So go for it. You're on right. the right track. You didn't miss God. You didn't miss your destiny. You're on the right track. Truthers are, oh, hello. Tr- you know, the truth is not optional, especially if you name the name of the Lord. You're supposedly walking with God and you're going to turn your nose up at truth. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but you're conflicted and you need to really repent of your willful ignorance. Because according to Second Thessalonians chapter 2, God sends delusion on those that are in willful ignorance. And that's exactly what the what the unconvinced is engaged in and trafficking in. I don't know, and I don't want to know. I've been told that hundred times, sure, a hundred, which is stunning from Christians. How can sure. you say that? How can you say I don't know and I don't want to know? That you know what that does is it makes you a co-conspirator with the with the the enemy of God and humanity, which is trying to operate in the shadows and and propagate these conspiracies which enslave us and you're going to partner with that shame on you 
So for the truther, good job. Congratulations. Because <laughs> you've been taking it on the chin your whole life in this journey. And I'm here to let you know that you are a good person. You're, you care about people. Okay, that's why we're motivated. It's why you can't shut up when you go to your sister-in-law's house, right? Sure. And your spouse tells you, listen, when we go there, don't talk about your crazy things, but then you can't <laughs> stop, right? Yeah, you're, scared, you know you're scaring the locals. Yeah. Huh? So, yeah, they, they say you get messages like, you know, don't say anything. You're scaring the locals. Yeah. Yeah, but you're <laughs> like, I'm sorry. The world's burning. You know, if somebody's in a burning building at night, they're in their house and they're asleep and you know, oh, the neighbor's house is on fire and nobody's waking up. What are you going to do? Just walk by because it's none of your business? You don't want to offend anybody? Right. No, I think that, John, those are important messages for, to convey to, to folks on the journey because, you know, I think that is, uh, could be a dark journey at times. And I think a lot of people experience exactly that. And, 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 uh, you know, I think you captured one of the core elements as well for the truth or conspiracy theorists out there. And that is integrity. There is a sense of integrity that operates at the, at the core yeah. fundamental, uh, thought process of a truth or a conspiracy theorist for sure that's exactly what happens when you're presented for the first time with the the uh federal reservism federal or somebody point i mean right. when somebody showed me the moon landing <laughs> it took me about five minutes to, to realize oh my gosh this is fake okay well guess what the normie has the same data presented to them and they go like this inside oh my gosh that's fake but then right on the back end of that they run a little algorithm called, well, I know what this means. If I go down this road, I'm going to get persecuted and my reputation is going to be dragged through the mud and I could lose my job and my family. Uh-uh. So then they go, and they have a truth <laughs> abortion. And then, then they start yeah. start attacking you. No, that's a, that is a good way to put it. That is a very common experience. Yeah. I've experienced it. I've witnessed others experience it. So I certainly... Uh, I think that is a very common, commonly experienced uh, portion of the journey right there. You know, and again, I, you know, um, in our current day and age and uh, the rate of which information is being transferred and the rate in which uh, so much wild things are going on in, in reality these days, I think more and more people are beginning to ask that first question. It's causing them to then ask, what else is not right here? And I think, yep. you know, obviously 2020, had a big portion, a big role in that, in that, in playing in that with the the, the shutdown of, of everything. Yeah, I think I think certainly a lot more people were certainly asking that question. You know, and as right now as the COVID uh, part, whatever you want to call it, part forty seven comes rolling out again here, you know, with the uh, talk of new shutdowns and the talk of new variants and the talk of new vaccines. You know, I think a lot of people aren't going to sign up for it this go around. I think oh. in a large part there was a lot of people that. Wanted to believe it. They they thought, well, these people are doing the right thing for us. They're trying to help everybody out. They're making vaccines. They're shutting things down to try to prevent the spread of this stuff. But, you know, in the aftermath, I think too many people have now realized, like, hey, wait a second. You know, and it's not the same not the same thing for everybody. But, you know, hey, wait a second, this whole shutdown stuff. Or, hey, wait a second, this whole vaccine thing. Or, hey, wait a second, mandatory masks again, you know. A lot of people are asking that first question and sending them on starting them down that this path we're discussing today. And I think there'll be a, you know, a continued uh, increase in the volume of people over, over the near term that continue to do that. And that's one of the rapid, rapid changing things. I think right now where everyone's experiencing both truthers or conspiracy theorists alike, or, you know, the, the uh, conforming 
quote unquote normie type folks as well. They're, everyone's kind of experiencing the rapid rate of change. And I think uh, it's more so rapid with the folks who weren't uh, attuned to any of these ideas previous to our current. Time. Yeah. I hope you're right. I'm, I'm, I'm minorly optimistic. Uh, I was in the <laughs> it's good to hear. yesterday <laughs> though. And uh, I was in there getting, buying some razors and then the, I was by the pharmacy. And so this couple comes up and we need to get the new vaccine. And I just was like, Oh man. So I started talking <laughs> to him, but uh, did you see the mayor of New York come out and say, uh, whatever vaccines you took before are not going to help you. You'll need the new one. Exactly. Yeah. That's the new messaging. Yeah. And Eric Adams is a, uh... He's a dunce and a half. So, <laughs> and then the, the hospital—the guy, guy's the a hosp- waste of uh, waste of oxygen for everything. <laughs> Especially, you know, he's uh, I, you know, New York's a disappointment to me. I'm a bootleg New Yorker. I used to spend a lot of time there, frequent a number of establishments like McSorley's Old Ale House down in the East yeah. Village. Fantastic place. Been there since the mid mid 19th century. Sure. It's, uh, if you're like surly old Irishmen serving you warm beer, <laughs> it's the place to go. No doubt. <laughs> but no, I was really upset. So I'm, I'm familiar with the New York City, you know, Manhattan night attitude, and I was really upset with the way they handled the COVID shutdown in general. There, everyone just kind of acquiesced. I expected more, you know, this the, the New Yorker attitude coming out of folks, and and not and not acquiescing. So I know what you mean by not being su- super optimistic this go around. But I think, as you pointed out, New York's going to be a, a, gr- a great example of how people are going to progress because they are already trying to crack down. There are, you know, universities in New York doing mask mandates. The mayor, Eric Adams, is talking new vaccines. So there is going to be an attempt, it looks like, at least, to, to go back to that kind of crackdown. Oh, for sure. They're rolling it out now. And and it's so murderous because, like, the hospitals are announcing now you have to be able to show vaccination, not just masks, in order to get right. treatment. So you could be in a life-and-death situation with a kidney transplant, and you, they won't they won't um, serve you in the hospital. So this is a murder program. This is yeah, a rollout that, of eugenics. That has occurred. That has occurred. I mean, there are examples of specifically oh, that yeah. occurring people not being able to get, you know, surgery and other well, medical I'm saying it's so. happening right now again. They're doing it's it again. Repeating. Oh, I got you. They're repeating it again. Yes. And so oh. uh, this is what I do. I train every Monday night at 8 on freeconferencecall.com because I don't want to do it on YouTube. So I uh, I train on you know becoming an American state national, but right now what we're talking about is how to roll out a tort claim, so you can actually mm-hmm. come up against the system because what GovCo is doing is is they're getting the companies to enforce the tyranny. So we're right. going to have to tell the companies, look, you don't have to do this. You need to stand up to this, or else you're not going to be here either. You know this is the end of civilization, and say, essentially try to prevail with them to stop going along with the tyranny. But if you can't, okay, the Karens of the world are going to get us killed. So we're going to have <laughs> to go at Karen, who's at the other side of the counter, trying to take my temperature and make me wear a mask and, and educate Karen that if, if she's the one that's going to violate my rights, then she's the one that's going to be named in the tort claim. Okay, because sure. it's, it's the Nuremberg trial re- uh, response. Well, I'm just doing my job, right? Exactly. That didn't go too well for the German... Uh, officers that worked in the concentration camps, Karen. So you better get the manager out here or the owner because whoever's going to violate my rights is going to get a tort claim filing against them for a quarter million dollars. Now, we we get an army of people doing that. We can get the companies to stop pushing the tyranny. 
I agree with you. I mean, Scientology got IRS to issue them tax-free status by doing exactly what you just described. Yeah. Following a, lit- a, a litany of litigation <laughs> from their entire membership. Because we're so not. That it, it is a yeah. proven track record with, with moving the needle in a certain direction, for sure. No doubt. And that's our recourse as, you know, uh, people that are law abiding. We're not tyranny. We're not, you know, anarchists or anti government. We're just anti being murdered. And so at a certain point, we have to begin to draw the line as far as our, our acquiescence to this. No mass, no services, no bueno. That's no. Because what that is. That is a violation of both my civil rights, because I'm a covered class under civil rights law. Okay, I'm, sure. I'm claiming the religious exemption. God doesn't allow me to muzzle my face. So you, you yeah. it's like telling somebody that wears a burqa, you can't come in here and have an ice cream cone unless you take your burqa off. Exactly. You know, and, and I think what you're speaking to is actually a kind of a larger issue at the times. I think two points in response to, to your statement there, John. One, I think... The reason why we're seeing more of this COVID shutdown, mask mandate, vaccine stuff is it, it speaks to the rapid evolution of things in, in our current era. In meme world 2023, things are going so fast yep. and elements of the old system are falling apart so quickly. We had the Federal Reserve and their inflation rate nonsense that they've been playing and their quantitative easing over recent years. It's come back to haunt them, which I'm sure as yep. you from a financial background are very familiar with those those topics and, and aspects of our current uh, that are plaguing our current economy. But uh, so you, ha- you have those kind of elements falling apart. And then so you have more reaction from the old system in which to, to, re- to kind of gain- regain that ground they're losing, regain their footing. So that that's going on. And part of that process also is the lack of judicial <laughs> ethics. You know what I mean? To put it in, a, in, a, in the most concise way, you know, we see all these courts from across the, across the nation who don't want to follow laws. And what you're describing to me with the with the mask mandates and the vaccine mandates, these things have already been fought out in courts, you know, in, in, in federal courts and many jurisdictions. And in some circumstances, the Supreme Court have already ruled against these ideas you know, just in recent years. Right. So, yeah. you know, it, 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 the, then you still have these politicians trying to push these things. This is also exemplified by the current situation popping off in New Mexico with the New Mexico governor trying to limit the. Um, the uh was it the governor or was it the mayor it was the governor right yeah trying to limit the uh the ownership yeah. and, and carry of firearms within uh, city in, limits. New, in new mexico that, just recently that was the governor right you familiar with them the yeah situation that was I'm overturned to? by the way the uh judge said uh-uh. yeah just recently exactly so yeah. and again oh it's her response tyranny. was yeah the tyranny is i'm gonna do though. it anyway so yeah even after a court is telling a politician yeah. you know, that, I mean, we have, so we have baseline, we have a law already. Yep. <laughs> the politician's not following that law. Then they get sued. Right. And then yeah, they don't follow that, that court order. Right. And they say, oh, we're going to do it anyway. So this is, this is one person acting in with refusing to acquiesce. Basically, let's all say this together. No, <laughs> that's what we have to begin to start doing. And basically putting a skin in the game. Um, and and so right. this lady, you know, she's chosen by the elite to roll out full-blown tyranny, right? So she does this. And then the courts say, you can't do it. She says, oh, I'm going to do it anyway. But the sheriff who was supposed to enforce it came out and said, we're not going to support it. So this is, this is what you're seeing. These multi-tiered of the corrupt system is battling for... The souls of our, the soul of our country, and 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 basically, it's yeah. going to be up to us. There's nobody coming to rescue us, all right. And so we're going to have to 
We're going to have to stop going along to get along, laying under the radar so they don't come because they're all they're coming for you either by hiring 87,000 new IRS agents that, according to the classified ad, have to be willing to wear a firearm to their audit. Right. And then they're going to lower the minimum requirement for uh, reporting to $600 on all the platforms. So you have a garage sale, you bring in a thousand bucks. Now you have to report that on your taxes. So they're going to take your money that way. They've blown up 120 yep. major food manufacturing plants since January uh, of this year. So they're going to take your food away. Then they're blowing up trains. So they're going to f- drive you out with chemicals yep. or they're going to burn you out like in Hawaii. And they're going to take us to war and they're going to crash the economy. All the banks are closing. And what are we going to do? Are we going to wait for them to come and round us up? Or are we going to recognize that this is our hour of visitation and it's time to step up because some men are born to greatness, others have it thrust upon? Listen, Kurt Cobain didn't kill himself. You understand? He's not even dead. He and Vince Foster are living near Mount St. Helens. You're kidding. Why? It's not their idea. They're being blackmailed into it. But the man responsible so rich, so powerful, he'll stop at nothing to make sure this information stays suppressed. What's his name? Bill Gates. Bill Gates? What does he want from you? My brain. When he's already got half of it, I fell asleep at Newark Airport, and now I'm this close to taking my own life so that I can stop the apocalypse. Nah, that's a great way to put it, John. And I think uh, three, even three years ago, the the sequence of factual events that you just named, you know, would have sounded Looney Tunes. But Absolutely. as you just pointed out, those things are already have occurred or are occurring right now. And <laughs> you know, and again, it is it is an important factor, as you stated, to highlight that it is self self governor governorship, self right? Because we, we really have been mind controlled into the perception that we need these bureaucrats squatting on us, right? We need the government to to keep order. No, no, that's right. a mind no, control sure. meme that you've uh, uh, decided to accept because you know, for instance, this whole idea that a company can make. Well, we're a private company. We can make a policy that you have to wear a mask and you have to obey it. Well, it's true. All right. You can make a policy that we don't serve black people. Okay. Or Wednesdays is cocaine day uh, or Fridays is pickpocket day. If you can snag the wallet from the person sitting next to you in the haircut place, then you get to keep their wallet. And that's our policy. Right. Right. Okay. So. So we have to get a backbone and and when we walk in and they say no mask, no service, uh, that's a violation of your civil rights as a covered class because you're you're claiming the medical and the religious exemption. Right. But it's also a a violation of the Americans with Disabilities Act. So, um, you know, we don't serve cripples here. We don't serve people with one arm or one eye. I mean, this is radically illegal. So. What's the recourse? Now, there's a number of different things that you can do, one of which is just to run a PSYOP for the eight people in the waiting room. So you're educating them by not not going along with this tyranny (laughs) and beginning to have a conversation and saying, no, I do want to get my hair cut. This happened to me. 
And I need you to go ahead and, and make an exception for me under the executive order, which says you should, are supposed to. If I have a, a medical condition, it doesn't allow me to wear a mask. Well, what's your condition? Um, well, under HIPAA, I'm not required to disclose that. And the, and the executive order actually says that, that I don't have to give you a note from my doctor. It's an honor system. So first thing is you have to educate yourself and get a little clipboard. Sure. Okay, And if you go to my website, wakeuporelse.com, you go to the state national tab and you scroll down. There's a whole section there with about nine or 10 different flyers and documents that you can download. And it'll give you a whole bunch of artillery. It'll show you how to do a citizen's arrest. Oh, my gosh, this is outrageous. OK, because if they're committing a felony under under state law, you can <laughs> actually call the sheriff and and say, I want this person arrested because they're going to call the cops on you for trespassing if you don't shut up, right? So we we flipped the tables. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> now, what what does that mean? Absolutely. You're probably, they probably won't be arrested. You know, you're not going to file a tort claim because it's too complicated. But what you did <laughs> right. do is you got enough education under your belt to where you just ran a PSYOP for the, all the eight people who are all on the fence. They know this is bad. They're they're just children, okay? So you're the only yeah. grown up in the room, and you're going to be like, no, no, enough is enough. We the people are saying, stop the tyranny to the company owner. I want you to get the manager or the owner on the phone. I need to talk to them. And you have a flyer, and you just read the flyer to them, and you tell, and they're going to tell you, well, if I don't do this, they'll sue me. And blah, blah. if you don't do this, you won't be in business in two or three years. This is it, okay? That's our job as human beings sure. is to fight for our breath, right? No, absolutely. And, and I'll, and I'll put those yes. links in the show notes of, of the podcast here for folks of the interwebs to click on from there to the same links you're discussing. I mean, this is what truthers found out. We found out that website. there's an urgency in this hour because these people want us dead, but we didn't, couldn't communicate that to our loved ones. And so there's this divide, but now you've got, uh, Dr. Eon, or, What's his name? He was the head of Pfizer's um, vaccine science advisor, and he stepped down. He called it a bioweapon that will call humanity, and he called it an extinction-level event. Well, if that's not vindication for the truth, or I don't know what is. Absolutely, and that guy looks like some sort of James Bond villain. Oh, the, the CEO, <laughs> but guy. I'm talking about you know, Dr. Michael Eon, I think his name is. He's a good guy. Right. No, yeah, no, I know you're talking, I know you're talking about John, but yeah, just, well, you know, what I meant was look at the guy running that company. He looks like a very arch character. You know, there was 50 you know what I mean? just looking at that new guy, billionaires like that guy can't created in the last two years. Not, it's all wow. vaccine stuff. All that? of it's the crypto. finances are being consolidated. Well, it's not all vaccine, but it's is the it shutdowns consolidated a lot of the wealth and power in the elite's bank accounts. Like, you know, everybody stopped shopping and bought stuff on Amazon and that kind of thing. Yeah, I'd like to see what the return on on uh, Bill Bill Gates' investment was for the nine billion he invested into vac vaccines. Just just the the new nine, the newest uh, investment for the COVID vaccines, because he's been involved in investing for, in vaccines for years. He's in tight with the Clinton the Clinton uh, HIV AIDS initiative and all their kind of nonsensical activities around the world with the World Health Organization. So that's one thing I was already kind of in tune to, John, before all the World Health Organization nonsense popped off was i'd already been kind of studying the uh, clinton foundation and their yep. uh, malfeasance well the lack of clinton foundation you're familiar with any of that narrative they're not even a registered charity but they've been running all these umbrella charities 
siphoning, largely revolving around pharmaceuticals and vaccines, which is where they got in bed with Bill Gates and the World Health Organization. Who, by the way, if you look at the actual financial documents of the World Health Organization yep. and the Clinton Foundation, the number one financier is Bill Gates. He does this through various other channels and mechanisms, but all the money's coming from Bill Gates and, in, in a sense, Warren Buffett, no who donated you know, all it's, his it's, money. To it's the sort Bill of Gates discouraging Foundation. for truthers to watch so, the geopolitical stage and how, you know, like, like Hillary was caught with the server in her cr- closet. With, and then they proved that it had, it had uh, top secret stuff <laughs> in it, and she's still That's running around. And we're, we lose hope that any, anything ever is going to happen. And ultimately, these people will have to pay for their decisions in eternity. But, you know, I, I do see some victories. Like, for instance, Klaus Schwab admitted that they had to push back their timetable to 2030. Well, that's because of people like you, JJ, me, that are out here saying, hey, the emperor has no clothes, sure. okay? You got to do something or else you're not going to go keep going out to eat like you've been doing. Things are coming to an end. Yeah. Yes. Because originally it was Agenda 2020, was it not? The, U- the UN Agenda 2020. I remember back in like 2012, 2013, UN Agenda 2020. I mean, you can say like whatever you, said, you yeah, want about had, Trump, but if Hillary had gotten in, we would not be talking now. right now. <laughs> yeah. I know that for a fact. I spent uh, wow. you know, a little bit about my background. I spent 20 years in the Air Force military police, and I spent six of which at headquarters in Washington, D.C., uh, managing uh, the budget and manpower and stuff like that for military police in the Air Force and doing other things like planning, executing, and planning, coordinating, and executing the 2009 uh, the military police operations yep. in support of the 2009 presidential inauguration, the, the, the first Obama. So, you know, I, you know, in the Air Force military police do all the uh, security for all the congressional and presidential aircraft, not the president, but the aircraft itself, Air Force One, all the congressional flights. So I'm very familiar with politics from these kind of perspectives, doing security details wow. with the Secret Service and protection of numerous presidents, that sort of thing. So, I, you know, I've, I've long understood at a, from a very personal level that, that the, especially in Washington, yeah. D.C., that politics are reserved for the dumb and depraved if you will well, you probably- <laughs> they're not the they're not the best and the brightest you know so you know i i've, I've seen a lot of these you know in, in kind of my journey seeing a lot of those things through there is probably a different perspective than a lot of people got but my my, my point being uh so much is you know uh it is the i guess really my point being is to make a long-winded point here john is you know these personal journeys all send us in, in, in a certain direction where we all have a different kind of slice of what's going on in reality and understanding a different thing. But I think once again, when you're seeing these, these, uh, you know, like you point out, if, yeah. if Hillary Clinton had one, we'd be living in an entirely different America. And I think people are starting to realize, I, I've realized that for a long time. Again, I've, I've witnessed a lot of these activities firsthand of how dumb and depraved these people are. But um, I think a lot of generally speaking, a lot of Americans are starting to realize that now as well, that things were, not only better under people, uh, somebody like Donald Trump, who's not an insider, who's not a you know yeah. a career politician, who has actually built a business empire and knows how knows how an economy operates, versus you know either be it you know they're all the same to me: Bush, Obama, Clinton, you know Biden. They're all, they're all in my opinion in league in a criminal syndicate together because much of them are in league with these financial charity frauds they've been running for many years. Much of what the Biden family is now being presented to the public now, which is causing people to 
you can't ask that first question, like you point out in, your, in the journey of the truth of journey, the conspiracy theorist journey, that first question. And a lot of people are asking that right now. Why does the Biden, Joe Biden and his family have a two dozen limited right? liability companies? Oh, it's so out of the And open, what man. product like, are they producing out of any of these companies? Right. <laughs> what service are they providing, yeah. right? Because you can look at Trump, the Trump organization, well, they're building golf courses, hotels, real estate development, right? That's the product or service they're providing, right? When you look at the Biden, you're like, and he's got, Trump's got the Trump, Trump, you know, he's got, he's had, he's got a couple other charities and organizations, but he's got, they're all mainly operating under one corporation, right? Whereas the Bidens have all these disparate, separate, you know, limited liability companies and also producing no product or service. And people are asking that question right now. What is going on here? Why have these companies? Where's all this money that's provably going through these entities, right? Congress has done these investigations proving millions of dollars are going through these limited li- limited liability entities. And people are now asking, what's the product, what's the service, and what's really going on here? So I think there is a lot of that stuff. Again, as as things are progressing now, you know, stuff that I've been, <laughs> you know, I, I knew in 2014 that, that uh, Hunter Biden taken, you know, 432 trips uh, on Air Force Two with his father because I did security for the flight line at Andrews Air Force Base. I was the superintendent of security there. So I was, again, and again, my headquarters duties before that. I was familiar with these type of things, but now people are are catching up, in my opinion. They're starting to ask those questions because that information is now available to them through podcasts such as this, your ministry work, such as you do, you know, uh, stating these kind of, you know, ideas of causing people to ask questions, not necessarily specifically to Hunter Biden or those kind of activities, but just, ask questions generally speaking and people are right have now seen enough where they're like well i should probably ask that question or what's the next logical question so that is the times we're living in i think as i've read your book and understood some of the, the principles you're conveying there i think that's what you've captured as well as is, is uh, the psychological aspects along this journey and pointing out how these things are kind of uh you know, happening. Uh, and this is a, this is a, this is a current time where these things are really seeming to unfold and, and, and come to some sort of coalescing point. What that point is, I don't know. I think I'm fairly optimistic. It sounds like you have some optimism as far as the, where, where things in this world are currently heading towards. Cause it, you know, in some, some respects it can certainly be looked at. As well, if this I is mean, a the book of revelation is going to be fulfilled. I'm a Bible believer. Um, I don't apologize for that. And I'm not a preterist, so I don't think it's already happened. It's going to be hell on earth. What I do think we have a choice in is when. I think that God invests a lot of destiny in his people. And if we'll, if we'll rise up, then we may can maybe have another generation of freedom. Maybe there'll be a renaissance. You know, the whole white hat scenario is two wings of the same bird. The black hat, white hat scenario has validity. Uh, but unfortunately, the, the white hats are Freemasons too. And so we just get ungodly baked into the cake with with a smile, <laughs> but it still means we don't get our heads chopped off in our lifetime. But I would really like to ask you, since you have the military background, you probably sure. have a, a, a large military following, right? Subscribers. Uh, I would. Uh, all right. So one of the, one of the chapters yeah, in the book is called, I no folks, longer sure. say thank you for your yep. service. Did you read that chapter? All right. And so I was very careful to did, yes. make sure that people understood the level of respect and honor I have for anyone in the in the uniform. Like if I see a soldier in the airport, like I just did like a week and a half ago, I'm almost uh, embarrassed to be in their presence. Okay. Because this is a person 
that has so much uh, honor and willingness to give their very life for an ideal that they believe in that it's it's you know only could be super respected. However, the, the premise is the emperor has no clothes. So if you finally sure. find out that all wars are banker wars, and that that the the well, don't you support the troops? Yes, I do. I just don't support their commanders who are Luciferian blood drinkers and they, and they run things like Operation Northwoods, right? So so my right. what what I what I finally had to come to terms with was even though when like when I see the elderly gentleman in McDonald's and he's got his uh veteran hat on, right? So what is he saying? He's saying Look, I'm at the end of my life, sure. and what I want everybody to know is that the most defining thing in my life was my military service. Now, I'm not going to take that away from the guy, but at the same time, if you understand what the wars are really all about, the military-industrial complex makes more money in a day of war than a year of peace, and these wars are all basically orchestrated for the purposes of centralizing control and power and moving the humanity to this one world system, then that guy is what Kissinger said. He's a useful idiot. And and all and with all due respect to any military person listening, we've all been sure. duped. It's not just the military, it's all of humanity, right? So all right, so I came to the point where I can absolutely, no longer no, give what is expected of me when I see somebody, which is to say, thank you for your service. So how do you respond to that, having a military background that you do? Yeah. No, I mean, I can understand the perspective you're coming from. And, uh, you know, I think it is certainly uh, part of the deception a lot of people go through as far as military yeah. service goes, especially post-September 11th. I was a pre-September 11th enlistee into the United States Air Force. Yeah. So I, you know, yeah. I didn't really have a choice. They're like, hey, we're going to war, and you know, right. yeah, it's, you don't, you don't really, you, can, you don't, you're not in a position where you can say no. And it wasn't something I signed up initially signed up for, you know, four years or so prior to my first. Well, that wasn't my first deployment. Well, no, my is first it true to say that your initial, Iraq, in, you know, the reason um, that you got into military was because you believed in the narrative that you were there to uphold the Constitution and protect everybody from communism? I mean, yeah, I kind of, so I joined at the kind of the post-communist, I joined in that yeah. gap between uh, communists and jihadis being our enemies, you know, that late nineties gap. <laughs> so you know, there wasn't, I joined cause I wanted some expert job experience and some life experience. Right. So there's all and, kinds and, of motivations. Uh, like if you watch the movie GI Jane, uh, the guy, the, he asks one of the yeah. guys in the Marine, he says, why'd you join? He says, cause I get to blow things up. Oh no, I served with all sorts of folks that had different motivations to join. And there is there is varying degrees across the spectrum of of uh, what motivates folks, but at the end of the day, I think a lot of them are being deceived, especially in the post September 11th, you know, uh, period. Because, for example, when I first started realizing the whole um, coming to terms, what I already what I long suspected but didn't want to look at, right? What I long suspected was the whole Muslim narrative was was you know jihadi narrative of yep. things, especially relative to September 11th, the hijackers, etc. You know, what I long suspected was complete tomfoolery was in fact complete tomfoolery you know i just for it took me about a, a decade to really look at it because again i didn't really have an option i was being <laughs> presented with like well, <laughs> but 
that's a different conversation altogether. <laughs> but so I, I'm presented on a daily basis with this fight on terrorism, right? So it took me until probably around 2011 or so to really start looking at that in an objective fashion. And, uh, you know, I was working at, I was stationed at headquarters in DC at the time. So it's not exactly a, a managing money, personnel and equipment for the military police for the air force wasn't exactly a position to start right. questioning what I'm doing on a daily basis. Is is it a good idea or not? You know what I mean? It's, I didn't find myself in a favorable position, but I also wasn't going out there to, to look for those questions to ask either. It was presented to me, if you will. So I just didn't, was no longer going to ignore it, but it was, I can, I can tell you it's a tough transition going through a decade of the war on terror. I don't you know, know if it's still true, but to, I saw a statistic bullshit, that you know? said that the average number of suicides in the military is about 25 per day, which makes me, yeah, which makes me believe that there's a lot of people that get accurate. in being yeah. told, you know, drank the Kool-Aid essentially about protecting the constitution and fighting the, whatever boogeyman they had raised up at that hour. And only did, Yes, absolutely. I think that is a big part of the suicide rate. It is that deception. You know, people are deceived as to why they're why they're doing what they're doing, and then once they realize, wait a second, they're not. You know, again, it's a sliding scale and spectrum of of emotional feelings and attachment and activities. But to a certain degree, I think that is a lot of what is driving the suicide rate is them learning. Let me, folks learning like, let me hey, just read the the last paragraph of just a couple of lines from that from that paragraph. It says, "As long as man has lived, there has been war." So it's a complicated yeah, subject. Until Christ returns, there will always be war. And who can enumerate all the important contributions that the military personnel and the institution as a whole have contributed to society? The good that has come from so many individual sacrifices could never be known to its fullest extent. It appears it is a necessary evil in a fallen world, but it is a mixed bag and the weight of the fraud has become too great for me to remain silent any longer. It's one more example of how I am forced to say the emperor has no clothes. Yeah, that's a great way to put it, John. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I think that is an excellent reference to make with the emperor having no clothes, because uh, it is very much speaks to that 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 story. It very much speaks to the current you know issues we all deal with. Is the you know the individual obviously that that plotline of that story is the individuals trying to. Yeah. Tell all the other and this folks goes in his back, life that so, the emperor has no clothes because the this goes back to naked. this idea of being normal, look at it. <laughs> where you have this expectation on you. Like if you go to the football game and they do a flyover and then they bring out the newest recruits and you get all teary eyed. No, no, this is mind control stuff to to trump up the war machine. I'm not going. And so if your spouse is all patriotic at a superficial level, they're looking at you like you're no longer love your country. And if you don't like this country, you should get out. No, I've gone through that personally. Yeah. I've gone through that personally. Yeah. I was trying to point out to my wife, you know, these flyovers are funded by taxpayer money, right? Why federal taxpayer money is paying for these planes to go to these stadiums and for these troops to come out here. Why is that? Yeah. Why is that? When you start to question no, that's, that's, that's the a, show, target there, John, uh, sure. you're accused I, of being unpatriotic, and it's the opposite. Okay, what you're really doing is you're exposing the fact that, that at the highest absolutely. echelons, we have been infiltrated by a corporate takeover of, of transnational companies that are ruled by these elite, and they're, they're enslaving us. And unless you wake up, which is the name of my channel, wake up or else, uh, it's going to be game over. It's going to be yeah, or else. Exactly. <laughs>
And 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 that's not and that's not an adventure right. you get to choose as a person. So somebody it's, else gets to choose uh, that adventure for you. It's go time. You know, it's uh, no longer business as usual. Uh, but I told my wife, look, I got off the bus. I can't continue to have a tea party on the train tracks. Uh, what you see out there is not what the reality is. And when it happens, you're not going to be ready for it. And that's exactly what we saw with the vax. We saw people lining up to take this gene therapy which was not approved by the FDA, it was rushed out. And now we're finding out what's in this thing. Holy smoke, the nanites and the, and the hydrogel and uh, um, graphene oxide. I mean, this is, a, this is a witchcraft brew to kill you. And the people are lining up for it. So we were right. Even with the churches, the pastors lined up no, for people. Yeah. And we're yeah. preaching masks and separating the pews. And we were just shaking our heads like, this is absolutely appalling. Yeah, I saw drive-through church services. I saw outdoor church services and parking lots with you know people six feet apart, social distance, and everything. I right. you know I thought of anything, churches wouldn't accept it either. Much like New Yorkers, but it seems like totally the spell work very effectively across the spectrum of society because people are lining up for to get their tests just to get a test to get a swab test done, which they already the the CDC changed all the parameters in which to make sure. Everybody, everyone was positive, basically, with the PCR test, uh, you know, uh, test parameters being exponentially increased to make sure that everyone had a positive test. I mean, it, it sent the false positives, I think, 80 percent higher with the, with the rate of which yeah. the, the test parameters they changed it to. So they knew what they were doing. Yep. These were already peer reviewed scientific studies of how these things operated, these tests operated, what they were trying to accomplish. So on top of that, you have people lining up to take that test. Right. And what can you name another disease or illness that people have to actually go well, take that's, a that's test what, to even have their first inclination that they might be ill, right? Everything else has symptoms, right? Every disease and illness has a symptom. And that's generally when someone experiences a symptom of a disease. You know, that's why people find out about cancer, late stage cancer, because they didn't have any other symptoms of that disease yet that, that caused them to go figure out what's going on, right? Sometimes people go to the doctor and the doctor's like, oh, well, you came in for this, but we just discovered you have, you know, an early stage cancer. Well, that's a great time to pick it up, but you didn't know you had cancer because there was no symptom yet. So, right. So, but people are running around like, oh, I got a tested positive for COVID. You have no symptoms. They never have symptoms. Then the CDC creates a whole new definition. Oh, well, you know, you can still transmit the disease because they have it. They just, it's, it's not, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? The, um, the asymptomatic, uh, if, if you have the disease, but it's not presenting yeah. itself, the, uh, Hey, there we go. Thanks, John. Asymptomatic. You know, so we're creating new definitions for transmitting these, these diseases. And, you know, people are lining up for these tests. And I just, I always laugh when I see these lines. I'm like, what are these people doing? And, you know, I really hope, again, that, that, that that's going to change around, too. But you're right. You know, people are lining up to get the vaccine. People are lining up to even just get a test. Like, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm sick. Well, what in the world are you talking about? Why would you need a test to tell you that? And, and at the end of the day, you know, speaking to the emperor having no clothes, you know, early on in the uh, the COVID epidemic, I was my, my I was operating a private detective agency at the time, still, and uh, in my retirement from the Air Force, that's what I was doing professionally. It's since been I've closed up shop on that for various various reasons, but at the time I was providing mm-hmm. some uh, basically intelligence reports to a, a U.S. congressman, one of my clients, and one of those some of those one of those reports was. The uh, lack oh, of never uh, been a, any ever been isolated. I'm not saying there virus. isn't something they released, Meaning, but as far as oh, I have COVID. Exactly. No, you didn't. You don't know what you had. You could have had the exactly. And then again, that PCR test is gonna is gonna test positive for uh, coronavirus 
So you could have the flu and everything else. And it's te- not testing necessarily that you had it then, yet, it's that you had it in your in, in, in evidence of it, you having that virus in the past. So you get into the, all of those murky waters with all that stuff. But then, you know, you, you going back to the, the uh, failure to actually isolate the virus, that was exactly what, what my report was focused on, was the failure to isolate the virus. Therefore, how you developing a vaccine in the first place if you didn't isolate the virus? And, and secondly, what what is what is your purpose of creating a vaccine? Right, and you heard the guy that was the, the guy that created the no test isolated, unit right? told them it was yeah it wasn't designed for that, and they would crank up the cycles. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I meant by the yeah the increase absolutely. the rotations of the test of the test parameters. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. So you know, every at every what I'm getting at is every element and stage of that whole process. There's deception. Oh my gosh. You know, there's unethical behavior. There's malfeasance, right? And we have people, we have people lining up for it, you know, and again, what I hope is that people learned, right. And, and to get back to your, your statement about how the world's owned by multi, these multinational corporations. Yeah. And, and, and to kind of mash that together with what I'm saying is that my optimism that people are learning these things and that change will come as a result of that education is uh, folks now know as almost a household name, Vanguard, BlackRock, State Street, right. These are all becoming household names outside the just the truth or conspiracy theorist community people are now hearing this yeah. these corporations being spoke about in, in public which those are really kind of the powerful players in the room these are the people that own overlapping ownership of all the the corporations that own these dark corporations no that doubt. own overlapping ownership of basically every yeah. corporation even like something like fox news right you know fox news has significant ownership you talk about from the uh, test that swab was proven to have the hydrogel on it so they got the nanites on the end of that swab and then they want to stick it all the way up to the blood brain barrier to try to murder you it's outrageous and then the hydrogel the nanites have like 33 imagine yeah, the number 33 different different um 33 <laughs> different functionalities cuz they went to darpa about 10 years ago, and they said, we need you to create a way to chip the human brain without surgery. And they came up with the hydrogel, which is the transport system, and the nanites each have a specific functionality. So one might be to release a chemical. One might be to release a frequency, which there's trademarks or patents where these frequencies are able to control human behavior and emotions, and then they can be triggered from externally with 5G or whatever. So this is a this is a scientific horror movie that we're in, which is beyond any kind of comprehension of what you've seen in any horror <laughs> movie, but it's real. It. And we're watching our loved ones line up for it, which is just heartbreaking. Yeah, and if any of these ideas sound like out there for folks of the interwebs listening to this conversation, yeah. you, as you point out, John, there are patents for these activ- these things, these functions and, and inventions and technology and advancements in technology. But even dating back to the 1950s, there was a doctor who was part of the MKUltra program. He got brought into the MKUltra program, but he started this research before he became was recruited into MKUltra um, for the CIA. Dr. Jose Delgado, he yeah. wrote a book called The Physical Control of the Mind. This is like 19, circa 1957. And watching, you can even find yep. videos of this guy yep. controlling a bowl. Are you familiar with Dr. Delgado's work then, John? Yeah, so I mean... This this electronic control of the mind is nothing new by any stretch of the imagination. This guy's got a remote control that he had implanted a, uh, this is again, late 1950s. It's a video, it's available on YouTube. I'll put it in the show notes. Dr. Yep. Jose Delgado implanted an electronic device in a bull's brain 
and was able to control the activity. Way back. I mean, we, you've heard of voice to skull technology where they beamed um, Allah yeah. telling the uh, guys from Iraq to, to put down their weapons. They used the voice. And then I was at the upside down house in, in Myrtle oh, Beach. Absolutely. And playing this game with my kids where you put this thing on your head and there's a dome with a ball. It's like a little football field, right? And a ball in the middle. And you just sit there and you controlled the ball with your mind. So I would I would think the ball was going that way and it would start to go that way. Well, and then wild. they'd think – and it was like a battle. Who could focus more? It was unbelievable. Well, that's 30-year-old technology that they're letting us see. So you can imagine what they really have. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, Dar- and as you point out with DARPA, with the nanotechnology, they're the ones at the forefront of a lot of this activity. I mean, see the CIA and MK Ultra, that kind of stuff gets thrown out there. But in my yeah. estimations, DARPA is really largely behind a lot of this technological kind of techno- no question. Te- technocracy. And it's it's like mad scientist stuff. And they're all like, you watch Bill Gates when he talks about population control, he gets all giddy and he like laughs and stuff. It's really sick. These it is very sick, and he does talk about providing right, vaccinations to control the population to, to, say, to decrease the population. There was one which was really which creepy. Is like, he, he's basically saying, yeah. there's going to be another pandemic, <laughs> and a lot of people are going to be really uh, put off. And blah, and he's like laughing, and, and you're just watching this guy, and you're thinking, this is like the evil scientists in the movies that want to take over the world. And you think that's all fake. Well, that's why they do that. They put this stuff real into the movies as a predictive programming yeah. so that you subconsciously accept it as fake. So then when you try to show the normie, hey, this stuff is real, and they're like, oh, that's just science fiction. It's really genius. I agree with you. And, John, you actually read my mind because I wanted hey. to, 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 to bring a close to our conversation here today, and I wanted to provide you one, one okay, more cool. point. And you definitely read my <laughs> mind. I'll let you close with a point as well afterwards. But you read my mind as far as the point I wanted to leave off on here today. And that was in regards to the introduction of r- real yep. concepts through film, th- through, the, through the storytelling of Hollywood and <laughs> relative to Bill Gates. So I'm glad you brought Bill Gates there as well and his maniacal activities. Because somebody in Hollywood, and you could name any of the writers from the film, who, know, who knows who actually implanted the actual idea into the film. But in the, in the plot line of the film, I think it was 1998, it was a film called Dead Man on Campus. And uh, it was a kind of a dark comedy where, you know, it was uh, the the plot line was if uh, a college student died, you know, during a school year, then their roommate would automatically get A's, straight A's. So these two college students were trying to recruit a new roommate, that, that somebody who was suicidal that would commit suicide, so much they could, they could not get thrown out of college, right? That's kind of the premise of the film. At one point, they try to recruit a roommate into their dorm yeah. room who's kind of like a, a crazed conspiracy theorist guy on campus. And he and the guy's whole shtick is he's running around telling everybody no Bill way. Gates runs the world and is trying to destroy no humanity. Way. Like that's the whole pre- <laughs> that's the whole premise of everything. Yeah. <laughs> and at one point in time, that so each each little plan gets foiled. But you know, through the different roommates are trying to they're trying to recruit throughout the film. And that guy stumbles into their to the to their side of the dorm room wow. one, one day and and realizes they got photographs of him everywhere. So he immediately, he immediately is like, you guys work for Bill Gates. You guys are following me and taking photographs. <laughs> He's got a whole story how Bill Gates stole half his brain when he fell asleep at an airport. 
and stuff like that. And at the time, right. especially, it was, you know, kind of a silly idea. Right. The Microsoft Windows guy is suddenly some arch nemesis of the world. But you yeah. fast forward to today, and it's just like somebody knew right. back then. Because you look and, at this guy, and he's like, he's like going thing. all over the world, and he's implementing all these yeah. vaccine programs. Like, who, who appointed this guy the health czar of the world? I mean, this is outrageous. Exactly. He's a college dropout who can't even solve a computer virus, but he's going to well, solve this biological was, uh, virus that's His dad was the head and, you know, of Planned Parenthood. It's a ludicrous tale on his face. He was, he was chief legal counsel there on the board, yeah, he uh, and on the board. And strangely enough, his father also seemingly had uh, an office in Beijing back in the 1950s, Man, the web just gets which is very bigger. strange for an American. How does that, how does that go down, right? How does that, how does that, and I think it was 1952 I found newspaper reports of of uh, of uh, Bill Gates' father there um, doing business in, in Beijing. I'm like, how does that go down right. at the height of the communist Cold War, you know? Really the onset, the early scare of it, you know? That's when it's at its height. Because by the 80s, it's it's not at its height. I mean, they want to, you know, the, looking at Hollywood films and, you know, uh, the Russians, the Ruskies were going to attack. But, I mean, it yeah. was really more like the 50s and 60s were the height, you know, the Cuban Missile Crisis, that kind of era. That was really the height of the Cold War. So at that time, you know, I don't know how Bill Gates' father is doing business in Beijing, but there's Unbelievable. Yeah. Well, John, I wanted to thank you for joining me here today to get a little GCD. I love love the conversation. I thoroughly enjoyed your book. I think it's a great analysis of the journey that folks take getting into these topics. And I'd like to ask you if you got any any closing thoughts for us. Audio version of the book will be up in about a week. It's around the 20th. That should be on Audible, on Amazon, and iTunes. So if you prefer to listen to a lot of people do, you'll probably want to listen to it on, on one and a half speed because the guy doesn't speak as fast as I would like, but he was in my budget, so I went with it. <laughs> but that'll help um, you know, get the word out. A lot of people <laughs> don't want to read enough. books, and I get it. I'm the same way. I'd rather listen to it. So that's cool. But yeah, this has been really, really good. Uh, JJ, what sure. a great interview. Just awesome time. I'm so grateful for uh, – Meeting up with you, I definitely want to stay in touch, man. Appreciate you much. Yeah, absolutely, John. Thank okay. you. Thank, enjoyed the conversation. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for reaching Excellent. out to me. I definitely want to have you back to discuss some quantum physics and uh, relative to Mandela effect. I'm, I'm a big, I've always been a big awesome. fan of, and fan it's relevant. of quantum so, physics. Yeah, we'll, so, yeah, uh, it's a subject we'll that circle back me. for sure and be in touch. Well, that's it. That's the show here, folks. So the next time you're out on the town visiting your local watering holes, or perhaps just meandering around. And you hear the unmistakable sounds of metal clanking, and you spot signs of a disturbance. Well, check your six. Look in that garbage can, because you never can tell. The GCDs may be loose in your town. Music